Welcome to Small Town Stories, where local librarians host discussions with members of our community, past and present. Princeton is located in southeastern North Carolina, population nearing 1,400 people. Our little town is growing, and our hope with this podcast is to connect friends and neighbors. Join us now as we collect and share our local stories, embracing life in our little spot in this world. Welcome to Small Town Stories with Princeton Public Library. This is your host, Amay, and I'm joined today by Landon and Hilda, and we're going to pick up where we left off with last week. I really enjoyed last our last discussion because we're just starting this podcast. Everyone's got some nerves about it, and we're getting yeah. <laughs> into this. And there was a lot of questions after listening that I had for y'all, and I'm hoping y'all will just indulge me today. So my first one being, what's the first book you remember either reading or being read to you? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I, you know, I kind of struggled to remember for a minute there, but I do remember like a series at least, not like a specific book. It was the, if you give a mouse a cookie, it was those, I remember. (laughs) And were they read to you? I think so. I just remember liking them when I was really little. Did you like the illustrations and, or the story? They made the cookie look really good. (laughs) I mean, they really did. And I like how it escalated. You know, like if you give a mouse, mouse a cookie and it just got like more intense as it went, you know? Top tier, how, how crazy could that story get? Mm-hmm. And there were so many books in that series, too. There were. Do you remember about how old you were? Oh, Lord. Um, my brain's telling me third grade so for some reason. Eight, seven, or eight. I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. The That's... perfect age to yes. start your own mischief. Yeah. That's why it would be so exciting. Mm-hmm. I... I said in the last podcast, I did not really become a reader until I was about 12, but I remember I was about eight years old, and my older sister, avid reader, always reading a book, and I knew how to read, but I didn't pursue reading stories on my own, but I decided I'm going to read a book, and I went to the bookshelf. My mom had one in the hallway that had some old vintage books, and I pulled one that looked really pretty and I just sit down on the floor and I open up the book very expectantly and the first page had no words second page had no words third page had no words I finally get to the first page and it's like see Jane (laughs) I had picked up a vintage Dick and Jane that was like a primer you know like for learning to read and I just sat there and I read the book like in 30 seconds and I was like this is not fulfilling (laughs) (laughs) I was right way beyond that and so then I I figured out like what chapter books were and Mm -hmm. I think 
my siblings were older, so we had some weekly readers, and I found some of those, and one was Surprise Island, another was something about the vandals of something, it was about these children that had gotten accidentally been in the wrong place at the wrong time where some other kids were vandalizing this old house in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and they got caught and they had to do the community service of cleaning up and doing the damage and when they did that they uncovered this historic fresco painted up the steps and like uncovered the history of the house and all this stuff and I think that's when I fell in love with old houses was Mm -hmm. reading that book so it escalated from just I wanted to know what my sister was enjoying. I wanted to have that experience and searching out and finding stories that were age appropriate for me. Hmm. So Dick and Jane was the first yeah. book I read <laughs> on my own. I would like to see a copy of that. Like My mother probably still has it. I think I might have been older. As I remember, as I was telling it, I remember it being a different house. So I think I was more like 11 instead of seven. Because I would not have been able to read The Vandals. The Vandals of Treason House, a weekly reader. I would not have been able to read that book at seven years old. Yeah. What about you, Amay? My first memory, like experience with a book that I can remember, I actually could not read yet. And it frustrated me. That was the point in time where I decided I'm going to learn how to read. It was a wonderfully illustrated science book. I would open the book and there would be all the planets or I would turn the page. It, it had everything in it. So it, it had nature stuff in it too, trees and plants. There was a lot of text in there too, but the illustrations is what drew me in. I wanted to know what was being said, but I just remember looking at these pictures and I was only getting half the story and it frustrated me. Uh-huh. And I was like, you're going to learn how to read and <laughs> you're going to do it one of these days. And so I don't know how old I was because it took me a while to actually learn how to read. But I just, I have that memory. And then the, the first time that I fell in love with reading, it was actually my fifth grade teacher reading to us. And that's when I fell in love with reading. And she was reading the Crispin and the Cross of Lead I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's by a Avi Avi yes. Avi. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't read the story, mm-hmm. Landon, you should read it. It's yeah, I've never heard of it. It's kind of dark for fifth grader, uh-huh. but the way she read it, it was her voice. Cross of lead. Yeah, and I found out when I got older that I, that's actually a whole series. So that's on my reading list to go back and read the whole thing and see if I can conjure up her voice because it was her voice while reading it she read it with such animation that I was Mm -hmm. like oh this is a good story and that's when I fell in love with reading so well going back if I can expound on my answer so I saw my sister reading and I started pursuing books myself and I found their old weekly reader books so my sister saw this and she knew that was her time to start pouring into me. And she said, I have some books for you to read, but you have to be 12 years old before you read them. So whenever I turned 12, she put 
the first Anna Green Gables books in my hand. Because <laughs> she said, Anne was 12, so you can't read them until you're 12. That I think that was just her way of getting me to, to build up my expectations of reading the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I devoured the whole series. I loved them, but the first time I read them... <laughs> The first time I read them, I skimmed through all the descriptive parts and got to the where they were talking because as, as a 12-year-old new read, like I could read, but like a new reader, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know what happened in the story. <laughs> I read those books every year until my 30s. Like I read the whole series every year with my sisters and that's something we shared. Now, if I were to pick up that series again, I would skim through the conversation so I could get to the beautiful description and the all the other depth of the story. And I look back and see how reading changes, you know, over the years. So Anna Green Gables was the first series that I ever was introduced to. And whenever I was 12, that's when my reading life took off and it hasn't stopped since then. So was when you give a mouse a cookie, was that when you fell in love with reading? No, that's just the earliest I remember. So um, when did you fall in love with me? I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about being read to by your fifth grade teacher. My, I had a fifth grade teacher who, like, at the end of the class period, for about 15 minutes, she read us bits from The Giver. Oh. And I remember being, we never finished it, but I remember being super into that story. It's really good, I mean. Have you finished it now? Yes, okay, I have good. finished it. Really have you good. read the rest of the series? I did not know there was a series. Oh. I did not know either until I looked for it on Amazon and there was a boxed set. And I said, How many oh, books? It's like I seven. I think there's right? five. Oh, five. Whoa. There might be some outside of that box set that I haven't read, but it's, um, I think the last one is The Sun, and they are all incredible. Hmm. They are all okay. incredible. I thought it was just the one book by itself. I did too, until like five or six years ago. I didn't know. Well, How long did it take you to finish the book? I don't really remember. I, I finished it at some point. Did you have to immediately, after school ended in fifth grade, go out and get it? or? I'd say I thought about it, because like we, we didn't finish it. Like The year ended, yeah. and we I don't even know how far along we were, but we weren't very far into the book. And I remember just being like, are we just not? Like, are we just going to leave this? You know, <laughs> like, and I wanted to finish it. So I, f- I probably finished it that summer, if I had to guess. I don't really remember. I mean, fifth grade's a while ago. But it was really good. I remember being really into, like, the descriptions of everything going on, because, I mean, that book is crazy. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, like, little me was very into the story and everything that was going on. And she did a good job reading it, too. So. That's the one book that... Zach, my husband will he'll buy it and give it out to people. Oh, so awesome. we always have a copy at home. If he meets someone who hasn't read it yet, he gives it to them, and then we'll get another copy. We we may or may not get our copies back because you know people cherish books and keep them forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you should get him the rest of the books for I know birthday or Christmas. We we did find out there was more to that series, and I've read at least one of them. I swear they made a movie. The Messenger. They did. Yeah. The movie okay. wasn't horrible. It I was don't good. remember it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of times when you watch a movie, it's like, 
I mean, it wasn't horrible. Mm. I mean, I've learned to not have high expectations for Mm -hmm. movies. I enjoyed it. The movie can never have the depth of the book, in my opinion. But you have less time. But I still enjoy movies for what they are, for movies. And if they don't totally demolish the book, I'm okay with them being different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to have a rule where I would not watch the movie until I've read the book. But now I've actually gone backwards with that, and I'll say, "Well, I'll watch the movie first. That way, I can enjoy it, and then I'll read the <laughs> uh-huh. book. That way, I can enjoy that even more." And uh-huh. you enjoy them both. You're not sitting there being mad at the film industry mm-hmm. for ruining your favorite book. The, the, the stuff you hear about them leaving out in movies is like crazy. Like for stuff I haven't read and I've only seen. It's like an entire character or like an entire subplot that was in the books that are putting them in the movie, trying to smash a series together mm-hmm. in one movie or we'll adding stretch things. It out in the yeah. case of the Hobbit. <laughs> we won't discuss that. <laughs> There's so much good and so much what are you thinking in that movie? Um, those movies, but I think I still prefer to read the book before the movie. However, I have watched several movies that I find out later, oh, that's a book. Mm -hmm. And it was very exciting to read the book afterwards. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved with the library, and is it a job that you ever saw yourself doing? Well, I answered first last time. Okay. Then I'll answer (laughs) first this time. My career was homeschooling my children when I was considering other careers that made money, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I always thought a librarian would be wonderful. But once I realized how much school was in there, I've never really loved school. Mm -hmm. I've loved the teachers. I've loved the content. I love learning. I think it's my personality. So I never saw myself going to school for several years to become a librarian. I just put it out of my mind. And then whenever I started visiting May at our other location, I found out that you could work in a li- I just didn't know you could work in a library without having a master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know it was an option. And I'm like, yes, I can do that. I can work in a library. If you don't need a degree, count me in. So I'm here. And we're I'm glad simple, you're here. <laughs> as simple as that. As far as... I have been a home librarian for years because of homeschooling. So I have an extensive library at home. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot of the Dewey Decimal System to organize my own books. So I've done a lot of things. You manage about, the library at your church, too. Yes, manage the library at our church. And so I do a lot of librarian things. It's been a year or yeah, so that I've a... been with the public library, mm-hmm. and it's great. Well, I started volunteering while I was in high school because the books at the old location because this was recently after you had started working there in May but the books at the old location were like completely out of order as far as the computer system matching with what was physically there and you still run into that sometimes where the computer thinks we have something that we don't um but I started volunteering my I guess it was my senior year it was your senior year yeah it must have been because they didn't make us volunteer during COVID. So, yeah. yeah. Which, like, fair. But 
uh, we, me and Ame just like organized like the entire like we went through like every shelf, every book. Like, is this in our big spreadsheet? Yes. Is this in our big spreadsheet? No. Well, how did this get here? And then after doing that for a while, I don't even remember what happened, but they just called me one day and she was like, do you want to work here? And I was like, sure, <laughs> that'd be cool. And that was like two years ago now, which is weird. Has it been two years? It's been a while. It's been a minute. I think it was February in 2022, I want to say. So I didn't fill out your hiring paperwork, so I don't know. Um, but it's it's been almost two years I would say yeah I remember thinking why does he keep coming back he doesn't have any more volunteer hours like are we really that cool (laughs) and being shocked (laughs) I just enjoyed it I mean it was fun you know when I um when I went to volunteer, I spoke to our fellow librarian, Audra. She was the first person from the public library I ever interacted with. So she, when I was asking to volunteer, she was like, oh yeah, I'll tell Amay because you were like the de facto boss, you know. And so I hadn't met you until my first day volunteering. And I was so scared that you were going to be like a mean old lady. <laughs> so I remember, I remember being so pleasantly surprised that you were chill and that it was fun. <laughs> so I think that's part of the reason why I kept coming back. Well, that's good. I'm not, I'm not a mean old librarian. <laughs> it's, just, it's just stereotypes, you know. That brings me to the other question, though. Yeah. How do you see yourself, like, as a librarian compared to, like, the stereotypical librarian? Like, what does it mean? That's a better way. What what does it mean to be a librarian Mm. here? So not, like, comparing ourselves to that? Or just... Well, we all have this idea of what the librarian's about. She's a mean old lady and she tells you... I don't know where you get that idea because... Movies? She, they always tell you to shh. I don't know. I, I have very good ideas about library. <laughs> I don't know. It I picture the typical... Stereotype. The shh. The shushing. Yes. I get that as a stereotype of mm-hmm. librarians. But I guess I've read or heard enough about how librarians have helped people better their life in so many ways that I see a librarian as sort of a superhero of the community. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one of my favorite children's book authors, the story goes, now my friend wrote this his little biographical sketch that he was a janitor or very poor and he could barely feed his family. I don't know what decade this is. This was a long time ago. But he could tell the most wonderful stories, and he told stories to children in the neighborhood and told stories about his family or what have you. And he would go to the local library, and he had a relationship with the local librarian, and she encouraged him to write his stories out to try to have them published, Mm -hmm. which he did. And they published them. That saved his family. That gave him enough money to support his family in a time of need. I will butcher his name. Mendert Dejong is 
Mendert. <laughs> is it French? He's, I don't know. He is not American. <laughs> Dejon, like Dejon Mustard? D-E-J-O-N-G. <laughs> I think one of the first stories was about a duck. He's got some short stories, and then he's got full-on chapter stories, chapter books. And I know I told to that horribly. This. Maybe I should source my friend's little sketch because she told it so much better than me. But I know a lot of stories about librarians helping people like that. I've read a lot of books about both librarians as characters, and mm. I don't know. I just see them as a positive. Mm. I couldn't tell you where I got the, the stereotype from. Maybe it was just cartoons. an anxiety. Yeah. I grew up with the similar cartoons, and there was always the she's chasing you down the aisle of books with a ruler. Yeah image <laughs> i mean because this this keeps on showing up in my mind but y'all remember monsters university yes. like the, the prequel yeah <laughs> the, the library like octopus lady <laughs> like that's like i keep on thinking of that <laughs> now i'm gonna have that visual that would be a great costume yeah that would be a fun costume <laughs> i don't have time to make that costume <laughs> I think I'm probably, I am decidedly the most old-fashioned of us here. Mm. You know, I am probably more protect the books, take care of the books. The library is for books and for reading. And I feel like that's, if the library is not about reading and books, then what is it about? Mm-hmm. The, the idea, I think it's a more modern idea of the library being a hub for the community mm-hmm. is extremely exciting to me also. Mm-hmm. So I love that aspect and I fully <laughs> embrace that aspect also. But I keep coming back to books because I love reading and I love books. So mm-hmm. like having both of those aspects in this library, that it is a place for people to come and to get books and to connect with each other is just great. It's like the cake and the icing. Uh I was truly shocked yesterday when you said that you actually do make annotations in your books. I was because in my head I was like, oh, Hilda's an actual librarian. Like she's a real librarian. I'm all about book care, but I also realize that books are tools for learning Mm -hmm. and for and it's paper. But I draw the line at antique books or things yeah. like that. You know. If it's something like mass produced, I feel like and it's got it has to be my yeah. property. I would never mm-hmm. write in some. Books. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if we're gonna say that in every podcast. <laughs> Don't <laughs> damage library books. <laughs> I disclaimer. Disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> put it in the description. No books were harmed in the making of this podcast, and we encourage you not to harm any of our books <laughs> if you come visit. Yeah. Now I will have a semi heart attack when I see books crafted online, and mm-hmm. I see sometimes I have seen some of. Books that I know are wonderful out-of-print books being turned into craft projects. And I have had many just... (laughs) (laughs) So I am am an advocate of crafting and art, but I am also an advocate of being very choosy about which books you do that (laughs) way. See, like, out-of-print is, like, the operative phrase there because they're not making it. 
you know. But there are some out-of-print books that are highly sought after because of their content, mm -hmm. and they're being reprinted. Mm -hmm. I just found out that the Mismantle books were reprinted by a company called Purple House Press, which has been reprinting a lot of these books that homeschoolers have been searching out. This is a totally another topic, but, um, and so th that's amazing that these books that we have not been able to find, these, there's a few companies that are reprinting them, mm -hmm. which is amazing. I mean, there's a demand there. Yes. And it's great because some of these books were going for a ridiculous amount of money online and they were unattainable. Yeah. And now they're being reprinted and they're getting into homes and it's, it's amazing. Purple House Press. I wrote down Purple mm -hmm. House Press. <clears throat> Let's see. That's all the questions I had in mind. That's all the questions? Yes. What well, time are we at? Well, we're running longer than last time. Oh, really? We yeah. You Did y'all have any questions? A lot of that that I was just talking about was so obscure <laughs> and outside of the question. So okay. if we have enough pauses to take that out. <laughs> well, we're going to call it. This has been Small Town Stories, brought to you by the passionate individuals at Princeton Public Library. If there is someone connected to Princeton you would like to hear interviewed, send us an email. We love connecting with each other and our community and hope you will join us next time.